water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Jackie, who read the intro. So this is episode seven of our podcast, where we'll be discussing the Winter Solstice Part 2, Avatar Roku. So where did we leave off, Anand? All right. So previously on Avatar, uh, at the Southern Air Temple, we remember that we met Roku's statue. Um, we learned later that Roku had died over 100 years ago, and also that Aang desperately needs an Avatar teacher. Uh, in the previous episode, in part one of Winter Solstice, uh, Aang ventured into the spirit world and met Roku's dragon, who showed Aang that he needed to go to the Crescent Island on the Winter Solstice to talk to Roku. And there is this vision of a comet that is very puzzling to us all. And finally, we have Zuko from the last episode just tailing Team Avatar. So a quick fun fact here about the voice actor um, who does previously on Avatar. His name is James Garrett, and he's actually the voice actor of Roku. So it's like Roku is giving us a recap every time. We've met him before. Yeah. I know. We didn't even know it. So the first scene is Aang trying to get Appa to leave the village. And Appa doesn't want to leave because Sokka and Guitar aren't coming. Um, And Aang says, we like, we have to go. We can't. They're not coming because I would be devastated if they got hurt because of me and this just reminded me of the awakening episode in season three where ang says he doesn't want anyone risking their lives for him um this mm-hmm. is just him coming off of dying basically in season two finale um and he's now has to be in hiding and all the rest of the team has to do his dirty work for him basically because they're trying to pretend that he's dead and so that's a general theme of all of season three is him wanting to go do things on his own wanting to play his role and redeem himself um but you can see it starting pretty early on in the show here him wanting to protect his friends and the people he cares about and not wanting um Sokka and Katara to get hurt because of him so then Katara and Sokka ask him not to go um, but he says he has to talk to Roku um and they're like this is so crazy you can't go like it's in the Fire Nation and Aang's animation when he says he has to talk to Roku here just he looks kind of chubby and he looks like he has this baby (laughs) face and I I thought this several times about the animation of this episode, but I think it's kind of a general observation about season one. And and I think the animation definitely grows throughout the seasons in quality and obviously the characters mature, but he just looks especially baby faced in this episode, um, <laughs> which I just, yeah, I, I thought it was especially apparent when he said, but I have to talk to Avatar Roku. Yeah, no, totally agree with you. Um, so also when this is going on, Katara has a like classic quote here, something that you know comes back a lot. She says, the world can't afford to lose you to Avatar, but then she says, neither can I. Aww. So it's just Katara's showing her affection very clearly, and she does this multiple times throughout the show. Cute, we ship. <laughs> so then they all decide to go um, because they say, oh, like you can't go unless we come with you. And yay for teamwork, making the dream work, kids. I just want to say here in this scene, it is now canonical that Appa indeed has a big butt and it does not lie. <laughs> um, when Aang is trying to get Appa to fly in the very beginning, Appa's like very stubborn. He's refusing to move. And he's like, Appa, get your big butt up so it's now canonical (laughs) Abba is the thickest member of team avatar (laughs) confirmed um so they leave and right after there's a short scene of zuko arriving at the village and he pushes the village leader and says seen the avatar lately okay i I do have to say here the the scene starts off with the leader of the village coming out of his house and as soon as he steps out like Zuko is there ready he's like seen the avatar lately so Zuko must have like (laughs) waited outside of this guy's house for him to come out for like hours and like just plan this whole thing in his head I I thought that was really funny that was a spot on Zuko impression right there yeah 
It was pretty good. That like nasally annoying voice. (laughs) Another observation here is that Iroh is sitting on the rhino and he's still naked. So it's some nice continuity from last episode. Um, Good for them. Yeah. (laughs) They wanted to capitalize on their naked Iroh time. So next scene is Team Avatar flying to Roku's Island and they're telling Appa to go faster I mean, Aang is kind of berating Appa for going slowly. And I'm just, I just thought, <laughs> why is Appa getting abused in this episode? Like in the beginning, at the very first scene, he's tugging at his leash here. He's saying, Appa, go faster. Like, we're not going to make it in time. And poor Appa just can't catch a break. Um, but then you see Zuko is tailing them to the island. Um, so the leader clearly ratted them out. Anyways, so then Zuko and Iroh on the ship and Iroh calls Zuko foolish uh, for following the avatar into fire nation waters and he says out of all the foolish things you've done in your 16 years as prince this is the most foolish and we get a little age reveal and then zuko says oh my father will understand i'm going to chase the avatar this is what he wants me to do and then iroh says you give him too much credit my brother is not the understanding type so i like how we're forming this cloud of meaning around Ozai and just like getting these little bits and pieces here of him. Um, But yeah, obviously Zuko is blinded by his desire for his father's love to the kind of person he is because clearly he shot him in the face with fireball and stuff. (laughs) So he's not very understanding. Yeah, last episode we learned that this is the great General Iroh, Dragon of the West, that Siege Bossing say this episode we learned that Iroh is indeed Ozai's brother. So now we know his direct relation to Zuko. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're chasing down Team Avatar and they're they're lighting fireballs to throw at them. And apparently these fireballs smell really bad. And <laughs> I just didn't really get this gag. I just didn't really get why they included this and what even makes them smell bad. I just have so many questions about these smelly fireballs. But anyways... Yeah, I think this actually ties really well into the Northern Air Temple episode where they're trying to find where the gas is coming from. And they have the like whole idea to add like rotten eggs to the natural gas. So mm. I just thought that was an interesting tie because this is also some type of flammable material that smells bad. Gotcha. OK, that makes sense then. Yeah. Yeah. So then they approach a blockade and then Iris says technically you're still in Earth Kingdom waters you can turn around and Aang is like we can go north and avoid the blockade and Katara says no there's no time and Aang says this is why I didn't want you guys to come it's too dangerous and then Katara and Sokka say that's why we're here let's run this blockade Meanwhile, Zuko says, I'm going to run the blockade because he doesn't care. (laughs) Despite his uncle's warning saying that there's nothing. uh, Uncle Iroh says there's nothing if you get captured basically there's nothing that i can do and this made me think of iroh as this he's zuko's he really is zuko's protector and it made me think that he still wields a lot of influence and power because he says oh if you get caught then there's nothing i can do to help you anymore um Mm, and so i wonder yeah i wonder just what is iroh's status in the fire nation at this point it seems like iroh I think people generally respect Iroh for his status in the army or what it was. But I think people also understand that Iroh, at least think that Iroh is not what he once was. So that's definitely consideration there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty telling that later in this season, Zhao is willing to take on Iroh to help lead the invasion of the Northern Water Tribe. Um, clearly, he, they still respect his brain, if not anything else. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, So yeah, this blockade that they're running into, something I thought was really interesting is this weird hodgepodge of technology. Um, The Fire Nation has all these very high-tech ironclad battleships, but at the same time, they're still using like very basic catapults or like not even trebuchets. I thought that was really funny. (laughs) Yeah. So then Zhao is back. Hooray! Our favorite villain. Hooray, our favorite. Our favorite. Um, so <laughs> Zhao says that he is going to shoot the bison down with his fireball catapult things. And he doesn't care if Zuko's ship gets hit. And then he launches like 50 fireballs. And I was like, 
man, it must smell really bad right now. Um, but yeah, they, Appa, I feel like avoids things pretty beautifully. Like he, what a tank. And then at one point, I think Appa gets hit with a couple fireballs and he asks if Appa's okay. And he has this super defiant look on his face that it's, it's just like go time for Appa. And it's the first, I feel like I, at this point in the show, you haven't seen Appa in this war mode um and he just grunts and you realize that appa is literally the reason why team avatar is successful in anything that they do dude appa is definitely the hero yeah. of this uh, episode <laughs> he does a lot so one thing i really liked about this scene is some of like the quote-unquote camera work that happens when team avatar and appa is avoiding all the fireballs it's like one frame of just ang's face but they like shake it looks it feels as if they're shaking mm -hmm. the camera a lot and that gives you the feeling of them like mm -hmm. how turbulent it is and i thought that was a cool trick because you know obviously there's no camera but that's some cool animation right there to give the viewers a sense of yeah, uh, what's actually going cool. on um so then zuko's ship is meanwhile getting destroyed because he can't he doesn't have appa and yeah, it actually gets destroyed. And this engineer comes up and he says, the engines are damaged and we need to stop to make repairs. And Zuko says, do not stop this ship. And it's just so crazy that he says this. Um, and it's just such tunnel vision and clearly irrational. Mm -hmm. So then Sokka falls off of Appa and we see the six save that Aang does to he like brings Appa down close to the water. And then once they retrieve Sokka again, he gets slapped in the face by fish, which Momo then gleefully retrieves and it's just again i like just to point out the little humor bits um within dramatic uh, action sequences and i think that's one of the things i really like about the show so then the fight between ang and the blockade and Zhao culminates in ang like breaking up this fireball with airbending that Zhao is shooting straight at them and i just thought the camera work quote unquote was really cool here because you get this shot uh this slow motion shot of ang getting closer to this fireball and then you see the perspective is from behind ang and you see the fireball growing bigger and bigger until it almost takes up the whole screen and then it in it then it like falls apart and then also as you're seeing the fireball grow bigger and bigger there's the background of the row of navy ships and it was just yeah it was just mm -hmm, a really cool mm -hmm. shot and just super dramatic super played up um and it was yeah mm -hmm. there's some it's a good it's a good action sequence totally agree i think there's a lot of visual comparison to be made here to the comet because the flaming fireball shot from the catapult at this point in time does kind of look like a comet and I think it's kind of meant to show here Aang can barely take down one of these fireballs and he's completely just exhausted. He's like caught by Katara and Sokka. And he kind of slumps over. So it kind of shows how much work he still has to do before he can face the mm -hmm. Fire Lord before mm -hmm. Sozin's cool. Comet. So then Team Avatar gets past the blockade, but... Zuko is we're not sure if Zuko's gonna make it but then Zhao decides to let Zuko's ship pass and he says to cut the engines let them pass and there's this epic stare down between Zhao and Zuko as Zuko uh squeezes by and Iroh's rubbing his beard like contemplating why Zhao yeah. let them <laughs> so go pensive. um and it's just kind of funny yeah I love the Zhao Zuko uh rivalry that goes on I think obviously Zhao is very salty about the last <laughs> time they met because the last time they met was the Agni Kai. But I think Zhao is really taking the upper hand between the two of them right now because Zuko very clearly has tunnel vision and Zhao is very smartly taking advantage of Zuko's mm -hmm. flaws here. And I think I think Zhao really takes up her hand in their little rivalry yeah, that's going definitely. on. Definitely. Right He's outsmarting him right now. So then Team Avatar gets to the island and they land and Appa flips on his belly and he yawns and yeah, he deserves some rest because he's done the most out of everybody here, for sure. Yeah, the Crescent Islands they land on is extremely inhospitable. There's just rubble everywhere, some, you know, basalt or obsidian or what kind of rocks on the ground and there's lava flowing. And it kind of reminded me of Death Mountain, if any of you have ever played the Zelda games. I've played the Zelda games and I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's kind of fitting that the first time they land in the Fire Nation is this very like desolate, dark landscape. Um, really sets the tone for the Fire Nation being evil. Mm -hmm. um, and a fun fact about the temple. Um, this temple is apparently based on the Yellow Crane Tower in Wuhan, China. 
So then Team Avatar enters the temple and the fire sages introduce themselves and say, we're the guardians of the temple of the Avatar. And Aang says, great, I am the Avatar. And I'm just (laughs) like, Aang, you are in the Fire Nation. You need to be a little bit more careful, silly Aang. Um, But it's also the first time he encounters Fire Nation people outside of Zuko. And I just, I like to remind myself of, the mindset he might he must have, which is that it feels like maybe a couple of weeks ago where he would visit the Fire Nation whenever he wanted and just see his all of his friends. And so it's not his first instinct still to be wary of Fire Nation people at all, um, especially these fire sages who are supposed to be guardians of the Avatar. So I don't even think it crosses his mind here. But then <laughs> they attack immediately and they start to run away. And while they're running away, this lone fire sage named Shayu finds them and he says, I don't want to fight you. I'm a friend. The fourth old man in a row. He's not that old. He like doesn't even have white. I think he's brown hair. Yeah, but he's like old. He's older than. I'm not going to include him in the class of old men. Really? Well, okay. He would definitely be the best (laughs) old man if he if he was included. Anyway, Um, so when Shayu meets Aang, the first thing he does after he says, "I don't want to fight you. I'm a friend." To prove his worth, he prostrates before Aang. Um, and I think this is interesting because if you remember from last episode, old man number three, he <laughs> bows before Aang, but he doesn't prostrate all the way, which means your knees are on the ground, your face is on the ground, your hands are open towards this person, which is another sign of, you know, an even higher tier of religious reverence towards the avatar. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes to show how if he's so respectful to the Avatar and the other sages are willing to attack the Avatar, it goes to show how far the Fire Nation's indoctrination of this idea of taking over the rest of the world has gone even so far to change the religion that is part of the Fire Nation sages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think I think that's a huge point. And when Shayu talks about that later on, we'll see what exactly has happened. But I think, yeah, in this scene, Sokka rightfully so is very suspicious of Shayu and he says firebenders aren't our friends so again we see that Sokka is very anti fire nation fire nation everything um but what's cool is that this is the first Shayu is the first good firebender that we see in the show and so this begins to show us that you know not everyone in the fire nation is bad it's more complex you know and as we see, this connects to later in season three in the headband, et cetera, when we see that the Fire Nation people are also, a lot of them are very good and they're as much a victim of the Fire Nation as anyone else. Yeah. So then Shayu offers to take them to Roku um, and they, and then he says, quick, we have to go because they hear Zhao's voice saying, find him, which. Wait, is it really Zhao's voice? Okay. So this is where maybe it's com- it's a little questionable because Netflix captions said it was Zhao. But also, oh, as I'll point out later, Netflix captions aren't always right. And anyways, though, say it is Zhao. I don't know where they get their caption, what their source is for captions. I just like I was just thinking about that for the rest of the episode after I saw that. And it just doesn't make very much sense because then. The next scene we'll see as you go on his ship. And I was just thinking, how did Zhao get there so fast? And the timeline doesn't work yeah. out because Zuko shows up first. Anyways, so it's either a Netflix goof or it's a it's a Avatar goof. It's Avatar goof. Yeah. Both are plausible. Yeah. So wait, also, can we just talk about how convenient that secret lever is to open the secret trap door? It's right in front of Shayu. Like when they're like, oh, how do we get there? Yeah. He literally chased him down a giant hallway and the secret lever happens to be right there. It's Avatar Roku is calling to him. Ah, come on. It's spiritual stuff. You got to believe. So then the next scene is Zuko's ship and Zuko wonders why Commander Zhao didn't arrest him. And Iroh says, oh, obviously it's because he wants to follow you. And then Zuko. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ira knows everything and Zuko is stupid. No, no, That's because Zuko hatches a plan to mislead Zhao, which is pretty smart. And his plan is to leave on a smaller boat and ask his uncle to continue going north to throw Zhao off, which is pretty good. And honestly, I don't even know how Zhao like saw through that plan, but 
I thought it was pretty clever. And then and then Iroh in response has this patented mm, <laughs> but it's like very long. Mm-hmm. It's just funny. Yeah. So then we go back to the tour guide Shayu who is just casually strolling along through the <laughs> underground tunnels giving them a it's little because he's an old man and can't walk not... fast okay he's an old man he's not okay but yeah <laughs> he explains kind of the history behind the fire sages and his connection to the avatar so he says the fire sages have a strong spiritual connection to the place and his grandfather actually knew roku um, and he was punished because he took the side of the avatar. And Aang says, why did the sages attack me? And Shayu says, well, things have changed. In the past, the sages were loyal only to the avatar, but they were waiting for the next avatar. And Aang says, they were waiting for me. And Sokka says, hey, don't feel bad. You were only a hundred years late, <laughs> which was another funny Sokka joke. And I was like, hmm, mm. I should use this as an excuse whenever I'm late to like a meeting or like a, a <laughs> social gathering or something. And it's like, hey, but you know what? Aang was a hundred years late. So, <laughs> so <good. laughs> I'm not that bad. <laughs> And then Shayu is like, they lost hope that the Avatar would ever return. And then when Fire Lord Sozin began the war, the Fire Sages were forced to follow him. And then fun fact is here, the Netflix captions definitely goofed because they spelled Sozin with an E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really bothered me the whole episode. So, yeah, I mean, Justin alluded to this earlier, but it shows how the Fire Nation like many historical uh, totalitarian regimes, as we've compared the Fire Nation to in the past, one of the first things they do is they destroy the religion of, of, the, of the nation or of the people. And yeah, the, the, the worship of the Avatar is, is basically the equivalent of the religion. And we show how this totalitarian state has just completely corrupted and destroyed any notion of, of, the, of the Avatar being a, a good force in the world. And um, yeah, very good observation. So then they get to the floor uh, where the entrance of this to the sanctuary is. And I think there's an aerial shot of them walking up the stairs as we see this floor of the temple. And I just thought it was really beautiful. The columns are so ornate. They're decorated with uh, dragon imagery. And the door is obviously very beautiful. That we, I mean, it's closed, unfortunately. But then we can see all the beautiful details on the door if it were open then we couldn't so good thing it was closed wow. um, it's a win for us yeah good for us um and it's closed and it can be only it can only be open with five simultaneous fire blasts or or they also say it can be opened by a fully realized avatar and one thing i noticed um although this also could be just because the door was closed and ang was sad but when they say fully realized avatar and kind of looks down and kind of frowns. So that might be some guilt that, you know, he's not, he was a hundred years late and it's not a fully realized avatar that can. Yeah. So I thought that was a cute detail. Yeah. Oh, poor Aang. Um, so then Sokka has a eureka moment, which is paired with this light above his head, um, which is kind of funny. And then basically he says, here's a little trick that I picked up from his father. So his plan is to do fake firebending with, by making basically little bombs. Um, and I just thought it was really cute because he's so proud. He's He picked it up from his father and it's pretty clever. So props to him. Yeah, I think this is just another great way to set up for the Northern Air Temple episode where he's working with... Uh, the old mechanic dude uh, (laughs) on the (laughs) designs, but it's basically showing his ingenuity and his engineering here. Yep. And along with the theme of the Northern Air Temple episode, it just shows how technology slowly encroaches over the domain of like nature and or religion. And it doesn't really comment on that, but that's just something that they show very clearly in this show too i think technology and how how it can be good and bad and this is just very striking because it's supposed to be this sacred door is supposed to be opened with you know the art this ancient art of firebending and Sokka just tries to blow it mm-hmm. up but lucky for nature and religion it doesn't work so Meanwhile, uh, while they're waiting for these bombs to detonate, Sokka is like cowering behind Katara, which is so cute. It's really cute. Um, he's being a little weenie and it's it's cute, but it also gives you the feeling that he's still a boy playing soldier. Like he's still just mm-hmm. a young teen who really wants to be 
a man, but he isn't. And he's also the only one who plugged his ears before the explosion. Everybody else was perfectly fine. So Sokka, yeah, Sokka, you know, he has this big plan. He doesn't know if it's going to work. He's worried. He's insecure. Um, and unfortunately, it doesn't work. And the doors are still locked. Yeah, sadly, it doesn't work. And I think this is something is an opportunity to show the development that Sokka takes throughout the show. But he fails. Sad. Mm -hmm. But it gives the opportunity for Katara to shine yeah. as someone who actually has a really good idea of this episode. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. I think Katara really shines here as the um, clever one. And I thought it was pretty cool. I don't know. I think I, I like this time rewatching the show. I'm realizing how clever Katara can be because I think you remember yeah, yeah, her yeah. so much for her emotional intelligence and her um, empathy and care. But really, she's very smart, too. And like yeah. she's super clever. There's also the the plan she came up with in Imprisoned. Uh, I mean, the first one, especially like their fake earth bending is pretty clever. So, yeah, it, it's pretty um it's pretty cool how Katara saves the day here. Um, also, after the door doesn't open, you see Aang get really mad and start throwing air at the doors and airbending in frustration. And it just felt super mm -hmm. uncharacteristic. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I can understand how frustrated he is because Avatar Roku is basically the only person who can help him. But still, it just felt a little too much. I was kind of taken aback by it. And actually, in the Avatar extras, it uh, they they say at this moment it's hard to believe that Aang meditates, and I actually genuinely think that every <laughs> time I see Aang, kind of lose control. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, I I totally see what you're saying, and I think it's probably a little bit out of uh, out of out of character. But it didn't really strike me as that unbelievable because they're on this really tight time window, and Aang desperately needs to see Roku. Yeah, that's true. And there's just so much pressure and. And Aang must know that this is like intimately tied with what his mission and destiny is. And this might be his last chance to finally get, a, get an Avatar teacher. Uh, and the window's closing so That's fast true. that I can I can kind of understand where That's it's going true. from. That's a good point. Um, yeah. So then the new trick or the new plan is unfolding. And Shayu is like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Ah. Uh, like it looks like they got in and it was just funny because it's such bad <laughs> acting um so it was reminding me of Katara's acting in prison clearly they're not good at yeah. <laughs> acting um and the other sages but the other sages see the ash or the residue of the bomb and they also see a shadow inside of the sanctuary and so they believe that Aang is inside um so good job Momo <laughs> yeah and so once again we see that opening a door to the sanctuary, to a sanctuary, is just totally epic because they have this 3D-ish animation again. And the and the door is super cool because I think, I don't know, if, I think they're like serpents on the door or something, like snake-like snake, snake -like looking things. Maybe they're dragons, actually. That might make more <laughs> sense. Uh, and then there are these like metal scythe things that, that fan out. Yeah, it is a beautiful door. And it's like 3D, really cool animation. I think the 3D animation is still weird, but that's okay. I'm a, I'm a fan. They tried. Yeah. And then so they open the doors and Momo is the shadow that they saw. So <laughs> I actually think Momo has really has his moments. He's mostly a dope, but he is small and can get into <laughs> spaces. So then he launches himself at one of the sages, which is his signature move to just jump on people's faces. And... <laughs> I feel like one by one, each sage gets taken down a little bit too easily, though. And it just made me think that, OK, they're clearly not fighters. They're not trained at fighting at all, um, yeah. because basically they Katar and Sokka just take their clothes and, like, yeah. and then like pull it over their heads and they don't even fight back at all. They don't bend at all. So, yeah. So then um, they take down the sages and Katara says now and then you see Zuko has captured Aang and I thought this was what? crazy I thought <laughs> I mean so as we know I have a terrible memory and so I'm basically watching this for the first time <laughs> except for the major <laughs> plot points but I just thought that was a really great swerve um where Zuko has Aang and yeah I thought it was really surprising good plot twist and then Aang escapes pretty easily, which is usually the theme when <laughs> Zuko captures him and he races into the sanctuary yep. and he gets in. And yeah, then 
Zhao shows up and they're confronting the good sage Shayu and he sa- he also sees Zuko and he says, two traitors in one day, the Fire Lord will be pleased. So Zhao's having a field day. <laughs> it's his like favorite day, best day ever. And then um, <laughs> Zuko's like, you're too late. And he says, sooner or later, Aang has to come out. Although I do have to say at this point, the fire sages show their martial arts prowess because one of them kind of like flips Katara around and then holds her hand at like mm. with like a wushu finger hold, mm. um, <laughs> keeping her at bay. Mm-hmm. And then they tie them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once Aang gets inside the sanctuary, uh, smoke pours around and you get this very bucolic pastoral scenery, almost like a Chinese water painting with mm, these yeah, yeah, mountains yeah. in the background. Mm-hmm. And we meet yeah. Roku for the first time. And something that struck me about the scene is a, the color grading of the scene is yellow. And the only other time we really see this is at the Northern or Southern air temple when we see Gyatso. So clearly this color grading means something warm, something inviting, a memory that Aang clearly cherishes. And the first line Roku says, it's it's good to see you, Aang. What took you so long? <laughs> and I thought this is really funny because that implies that Roku has hung out with baby Aang before Aang could form memories. Because clearly Aang didn't know who Roku was the first time he saw the statue. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. And earlier in the previous seasons, Anand has mentioned how the plot has so far been kind of disjointed going on in random one-off stories I think this is the first time that we learn about Sozin's Comet. This also is the mark of the first day of winter because it is the solstice. And I think this kicks off uh, this time limit, this ticking time bomb that is the plot that is Sozin's Comet. That Aang has to defeat the Fire Lord before Sozin's Comet, before something terrible truly happens. Yeah. One thing I'll just say real quick is, although I think, as I've said, the 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 main plots of... Most of the episodes we've seen so far have been very disjointed, but I do think in general they do a good job of pacing so far throughout the show because in the beginning it was like, oh, you know, we'll go to the, to the uh, Northern Water Tribe and learn water bending, And then it was like, oh, you have to like defeat the Fire Lord. And then it became you have to defeat the Fire Lord by this time because of Susan's Comet. So I think they do do a good job, at least in the first half of season one, um, kind of the subplots of the episode building up to this climax of you have to defeat the Fire Lord by the end of summer. Yeah, that is cool that they pace it well. So, yeah, I just thought um, we learn a lot about Sozin's Comet and how Fire Lord Sozin 100 years ago used it to start the war um, and deal the deadly first strike and it's returning this summer and Fire Lord Ozai will use the like, um, power to finish the war once and for all. So, um yeah, a lot happens in this scene. So first, I'm just like, how does Roku know all of this? Because I don't know, our spirits just all knowing. I guess he knows that <laughs> Sozin's Comet has this 100 year cycle. Um, and but how does he know that Fire Lord Ozai will use it to finish the war? So a little confused there. Also, this is the first time we see Ozai. So as he's explaining the fact that Ozai is going to use the comet to finish the war, we see this outline or the shadow of Ozai like breathing. Like he just looks like a beast. He looks like a literal mm. hulky, scary beast. And it's crazy. And yeah, so this is the first time we see him. Then it made me think, okay, so the comet comes every 100 years and he started the war the last time the comet came. So comet is coming back. So doesn't that make Aang like a little bit older than 112? So he'd be 112 if literally after he disappeared, the comet came and then the war started, uh, which is incredibly poor timing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then also the comet isn't coming for like another eight, nine months or something. So is he really 112? I think mostly mm, the math checks point. out, but I just thought um, it's kind of funny how, yeah, he disappeared and then like probably yeah, the comic like came like timing. that yeah. summer. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And then also a goof online, not for me because I don't know anything, but pointed out that comets are made out of <laughs> ice, dirt and gas in our world. So mm-hmm. really, why would the firebenders have any more power because of the comet? And then um, somebody was just like, oh, yeah, their world is different. Well, one thing that's interesting is 
Although comets are made of ice and gas, as they approach the sun, the solar wind of the sun interacts with the those particles to kind of give it like a burning effect. Mm -hmm. So it's not really burning, but it looks like it does. And especially like ancients, you know, in the ancient world, like you just you just look at things based off observation, right? So it does look like this flaming ball of something. Yeah, I guess it's just like placebo effect for them. It's yeah, like, yeah, oh, exactly. Like, it's that's just a placebo. Fire, yeah. And then like all of a sudden everybody <laughs> becomes a hundred times stronger. <laughs> um, also, another another astronomical goof is that um, apparently comets stay in the sky for weeks and not just for a day or two. And so, um, yeah, I guess it's a long time where they have power or avatar is wrong because I think it's just, a, I mean, like the comet comes and fades within a day because they have one day to carry out their evil plan. Mm -hmm. Wow. We're learning so much about comets. I know. I learned so much. So many new facts. <laughs> um, it's crazy. Yeah. So then Roku says, you must defeat the Fire Lord before the comet arrives. And Aang says he hasn't mastered any of the elements yet. And Roku says, mastering the elements takes years of dedication and practice. But if the world is to survive, you must do it by summer's end. Yeah. And I think also this is the climax of what I, I guess the past five episodes have been, something like that. And this is the climax. And they do such a good job of providing so much tension mm -hmm. here. And, and, the music here is like the epic avatar music with like the voices. It sounds like a chorus almost. It's just so intense. And you can see on Aang's face, he's just how overwhelmed he is by all mm -hmm. of this. And yeah. And like, you remember, yeah, he's just a kid and he wasn't even ready to be the avatar. And now there's this giant bomb dropped on him that he has to master all the elements and defeat the Fire Lord before the summer. But I do like how... Um, Aang is like, yeah, Aang says, what if I can't do it at all? What if I fail? So it shows again how Aang still does not have the confidence at all to to take on any of this. Um, but I do like how Roku is able to manage to inspire some confidence in Aang. Uh, Aang says, um, how am I going to be able to do this? And Roku says, well, you've done it before. And he smiles and Aang smiles. And that's actually, that was pretty touching. So we really like Roku by the end of this scene, I think. Yeah, and then Aang says, how will I contact you, Roku? And Roku says, you will find a way. I've always been a part of you. And then, you know, he gives some help. And at this point, Aang enters the Avatar state. And this is the first time we see him fully in control of the Avatar state when he says, I'm ready. And it's all of the previous Avatar's voices layered on top of Aang's. And it's this, like, epic culminating moment where, like, the sense of urgency, the tension uh, reaches this peak climax. Oh, so good. It's so powerful. You really get the feels here. I think I've definitely gotten goosebumps at this point, like every time I've seen it. Yeah. And then the doors open and everyone is waiting outside. Um, and yeah, so Roku says he's going to help him, help Aang, because there's a great danger outside in the temple. And he says this without, oh, yeah, just kind of going back to before the doors open. Um, he says he communicates these thoughts without ever moving his mouth when he says there's a great danger. And at this point, it kind of shows that they don't have to verbally communicate. They have officially honed their spiritual connection. And then Aang gets Roku powers. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he emerges and yeah. So yeah, right before it's revealed to everyone outside that it's Roku, you hear this Buddhist chant going on in the background, which is Nama Amitofo and then two made up words. Uh, I, I tried doing research into what those words are, but it's very unclear. Um, but in Pure Land Buddhism, this means blessed be the Amitabha, which is uh, one of the Buddhas in the past. So it, this is a great, again, like really deep research that the creators did to relate it to real world Buddhism. Hmm, that's super cool. Yeah. And I think the most notable time we hear the chant again is in the um, series finale when Aang meets the lion mm -hmm. turtle. And so that just recalls this um, ancient spiritual stuff that's that's going on so we, we yeah with roku and with the lion turtles yeah and the belief in pure land buddhism is that if you keep saying the amitabha's name over and over he will bring you into enlightenment so this is kind of you know like roku and ang being the spiritual leader and if everyone follows them he will bring them out of this evil fire nation control mm -hmm. yeah so then ang emerges and we see him 
or so actually first the door opens and it's all dark and then you see these glowing avatar eyes and everyone's like ah like standing back and scared and then you it the light like Aang emerges, but he's actually Roku. And I was, I was floored. I was like, oh my God, how is this possible? Um, Psych, you got the wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so crazy. Cause it's the last thing you expect. Like, like, I don't remember anything. <laughs> like if you're watching it for the first time, which is basically how I felt like, it's just so crazy. What a moment. Yeah, so at this point, Shayu turns to Katara and he says, um, you know, he kind of tells her Roku's plan to kind of take down the temple and bury it under lava. So the, my first thought was, how does Shayu already know this? Is he in cahoots with Roku? <laughs> I, I could definitely see the creators make a montage where, you know, Shayu breaks off from the other sages and he sneaks into the sanctum and talks to Roku on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's a spiritual um, connection. Yeah. Yeah. So another thought I had was, and this is a Korra spoiler, so if you haven't watched it yet, I would skip ahead. But this is one of the first times we see lava bending from anyone. So if you remember, Bolin learns the lava bend in Korra. Mm -hmm. So that's not actually not the first time we see it. This is the first time we see lava bending. But it's also weird because Bolin is an earthbender, right? And Rogue is a firebender. So. Indeed. Yeah. Also, I missed this the first time and then I mean, I missed this when I watched it and then I read it later. But apparently Roku, when he emerges, he he melts the chains off, but then he apparently gives the sages a death stare. He doesn't even fight yeah. them at all. He just looks at them in a very menacing way and they know they flee immediately because they know that he's mad at them, which is really funny. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even have to fight them, which is yeah, they they just know they're screwed, spiritually screwed. Yeah, so then Sokka and Katara stay behind to wait for Aang. They say they're not going to leave without him. And then Aang kind of becomes, he comes out of the Avatar state once the threat is gone and he returns to himself. And the first thing he says is, where's Shayu? Which I thought was really, really like considerate. Yeah, so unfortunately, Shayu and the rest of the sages do get captured later in the episode. But a fun fact, in the Avatar comics, Shayu eventually does end up becoming Grand Sage when he becomes an old man. <laughs> so he's um, not old right now. <laughs> confirmed. He's not old right now. Um, and one thing I thought about was that in post-death, Avatar Roku can like kind of bend a volcano. But the reason he died later on the show is because he can't and he needs the help a Fire Lord Sozin. Mm -hmm. So a really sad thought I have was at the end of an Avatar's life, in order to make sure the continuity of the Avatar occurs, that is the last time he has to fight, but he cannot fight in the Avatar state because if he dies in the Avatar state, the cycle, if he or she dies in the Avatar state, oh, the wow. cycle ends. So that's like a really, really tragic thought I had. That's a really good point. Man. Wow. I also think it's really sad that I mean, this this temple is dedicated to Roku and it's, uh, you know, ancient spiritual fire temple and and Roku is forced to destroy it. So it shows how far the level of corruption in this like ancient institution has gone, that the only solution or the best solution that Roku has to his own shrine is to destroy it. Yeah. And it's a relic of the past that, that is destroyed. Yeah. But wait, wait a second. Roku has actually destroyed this temple in the past one time. Oh, so yeah, yeah, according right. to the Avatar comics, um, Roku actually came to the Crescent Island in the first place to master the Avatar state. And he worked under the guidance of Fire Sage Kaja, who is Shayu's grandfather. And he's the one, the grandfather who's mentioned in this episode, who um, always remained loyal to the Avatar. And Roku came to the island and decided he was having a lot of trouble mastering the avatar state and so he used the winter solstice to force his entrance into the avatar state but was unable to control his powers and then triggered the nearby volcano to erupt and destroy the temple so this is actually his second time destroying the temple um so maybe he can he can build it back yeah so don't worry it'll be back <laughs> it'll be back man roku really has a bad no record with yeah volcanoes. he should move or something <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, the temple collapses into the lava and Team Avatar escapes. And 
just a random thought I had is like, where does Oppo hang out every time that they go and do something? Because I don't know. I feel like he must have been on the island somewhere, probably very visible because he is a big creature. So why didn't Zhao just take Oppa? Oh, that's that is. Good and just point. in general, whenever they have to leave Oppa behind, I just wonder I want I want a spinoff of Oppa, like Oppa's thoughts. And I mean, we kind of get that. Later. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> we actually totally get that. That's true. Yeah. Oppa's lost. Uh, OK, yeah, I actually don't want totally any more of that. that. That was just depressing. <laughs> um, <laughs> OK, what I will say, though, is Appa is such a hack because he does always show up when he's needed the most. Like this temple is about to collapse into this <laughs> lava and Appa and Momo just show up out of nowhere <laughs> to save the day. And so what do the avatars that don't have animal helpers that can fly do? Like how do waterbenders and earthbenders get anywhere? Well, like we see in Korra, they have to rely on their self-reliance and strength instead of Deus Ex Machina flying bison. It's not, it's not Deus Clearly Ex Machina. We know we have the better avatar. <laughs> I'm just saying that's such a hack. Like they should make polar bears that can fly and what are badger moles that can fly too? Because bison can't fly. Like why is the bison magically flying? <laughs> so then Zhao is really upset um, because he his like best day ever didn't turn out as expected no prince no avatar <laughs> um, and then he just takes all the five sages to prison uh, no mercy even though not all of them helped only shayu helped um so yeah then team avatar is flying off into the night yeah it's a very cute scene without any words exchanged we just have uh the backside of appa flying into the full moon and we see the silhouette of Team Avatar and Aang is kind of hunched over, mm -hmm. sad after what has been a long journey. Our first two-part episode or official two-part episode. And then Katara is the first to come over and kind of hugs Aang from the back. And we see Sokka and Momo also come over and they all Yeah, embrace. it's very sweet. I think it's the detail of them piling together one by one is just really wholesome. And then also this episode began and ended with a shot of the moon. So that's cool. Nice continuity. However, a discontinuity is that the end of the last episode ended with a crescent moon and this episode begins with a full moon and ends with a full moon. Yeah. The full moon seemed a little suspect. Yeah. It was there. really like just for the aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that concludes this episode and let's get on with the rating. So what did you guys give this? All right, I gave this episode an eight. Uh, I think this episode built so much tension in so many good in so many parts of the episode. It was really good at delivering, like building up the tension and delivering some cool scene. So I think first of all, with the blockade, we have this tense action, tense action scene, and it's cool also to see some action in the beginning of the episode. In all of the previous episodes, the beginnings have been really slow, but this one starts out right at the beginning with this cool chase sequence and them dodging fireballs and everything. And then with the blockade and Zuko running into Zhao, there's some tension there, but he lets him pass. And then also just um, when they enter the temple and the sages say they're, you know, they're, they uh, worship the avatar and then they attack Aang. You're like, what is going on? And then when Zuko captures Aang, you're like, what's going on? And then when Roku tells Aang everything, you're like, oh my God. So it's really good at delivering tension, but they also have all these cute moments with Sokka um, and, and Momo. And I think it's also just very delightful. The ending is very satisfying. We finally meet Roku. It delivers on this epic climax. Yeah, it's just very intense. And, and, the, and the action sequences here were, were good, both with Roku and the, and the blockade sequence. So for that reason, I give it an eight. Hmm. I think I give this a six and a half, maybe a seven. It's no halves. no halves. Although it's tempting. Right, then, then it's a six. Okay. Then it's a six. I, I think it's slightly above average. In, in so many words, it has all the constituent parts of a great episode. But I think the glue that holds this episode together is just kind of weak. Um, you know, like Anand said, you have the great f fighting scenes. You have the deep history. You have the funny moments. I think for me, what it is, is... It seemed a little bit rushed of an episode. We explore too much too quickly. There's a lot of plot holes. A lot of things kind of slip through the cracks. And it doesn't have that, you know, moment where I'm like, yes, kind of in the, in the season three latter mm -hmm. episodes. 
Um, so for that reason, it's a six. Yeah. Um, I also gave it a six. So actually I was going to go lower and then just the more I thought of it, the thought about it, the more like I wanted to go higher and like, honestly, listening to Anand talk about the merits of this episode, it makes me almost want to go higher still because I do agree. And Justin, I think put it really well. Like, I think there are aspects of this episode that are really like profound, um, in terms of what they set up for the rest of the show. But I don't know. I, for, I still didn't think it was like as entertaining or as like funny, like Saka has like two moments, but you know, it was missing that part of like an entertainment value. And then I thought the blockade part, I, I did talk about how there were some cool shots, but I thought in general, it was a little boring. Um, and I do like how it starts with action. Like I do, I like to do like that, but I don't think we get too much out of all the all the characters like we see Zhao come back but like we don't get too much more of his personality here whereas like I feel like I was really drawn to Zhao in the um at the beginning of the show and so like it's cool action but I thought it was a little boring sometimes the temple was cool I thought there were so many plot twists in the back half of the episode and it was really awesome and you know you get that huge plot point drop um but maybe i'm i'm biased and i want to give it a a slightly lower score because i have seen the show before and so it's like that drop of like you have to defeat the fire lord by the summer's end is not as crazy and as mind-blowing as it would be if you didn't know that and so like i from the perspective of it it how it sets up for the rest of the show i want to rate it higher but my, I think my score maybe reflects more of like a re from a rewatch standpoint. Um, that's why I'm giving the six. So that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed our discussion of the winter solstice part two avatar Roku. As always, we release on Wednesdays. So we'll see you guys next week for our discussion of the waterbending scroll. In the meantime, if you want to stay up to date with when we release and or submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, um, be sure to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at at what's underscore appa like our Facebook page, or you can email us at what's appapod at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Play me a lot, man. <laughs>